Hey, Michelle, new timing? <laughs> it's not new. We always do this time. What do we do at 8? Why do I always think 8? Is that the time of the episode? Uh, the episode is at 9. Yeah, that's why I thought 8. No. Oh, well. Oh, well. You can go back and look. I mean, that's why we do it at 7, but it's okay. No, it's fine. Uh, so, Michelle, what did you think of 508 Bagman? I thought it was one of their best episodes. Um, I couldn't help but see a little bit of the stuff that people were saying about it this time. And people seemed to either agree with me strongly or disagree with me strongly. There doesn't seem to be a whole lot of middle of the road on this episode. People either really liked it or they really didn't. Um, I really liked it. I thought What it kind was of people good. are agreeing with you? Um, the people who are Breaking Bad fans... The ones who see this as an extension of Breaking Bad and they've been waiting on Saul to come and have missed maybe the violence and that kind of stuff that was in Breaking Bad as it progressed um, and kind of felt like a lot of this stuff was maybe milk toast for a little bit, seemed to be very happy that we really crossed the line into something kind of sinister with Saul. But are they like, are they like email people or Twitter people? Or? No, no, no. It's, um, I, I like to read forums and comments like where somebody just asks a question and everybody gives their opinion. There's several different places. I uh, think like entertainment weekly, I think's one. And, um, I would have to look it up, but you can look at the comments on what people say and people ask questions and stuff. I try not to read the actual article, but I do like to read the comments because that's what I care about people saying. So I did do that just because it was such an interesting episode to me and I did want to see what other people thought about it. Well, what people, did you think? people think I should be nicer to you, Michelle. Do they? Yeah. Well, they think I'm mean to you. Oh, <laughs> uh, you guys, he's I'm a pretty str- cat. I'm pretty strong about my points. I like I like expressing my points. I don't like it seems to me that you like to agree. Like mm-hmm. you find it nice when we agree. And I I don't really care anyway at all about agreeing. I just like it to be interesting. I think you so, like to not agree. Well, I like it to be interesting. So if you have a point that I like, I find that interesting. That's great. But I do not at all strive for agreement. Like, I wish I could find a way to agree with you. I, I don't think that at all. I but, wouldn't but accuse to, you of to that. to you, I think that's more important than to me. But anyway, I don't mean to sound mean to you. It's <laughs> Thank funny, you, Mike. It's funny now that we're doing these podcasts, what, 150 feet apart? Right. <laughs> I'm still right. in a separate room from you, and it's like, I don't want to sit across a table from you and look at you and talk to you because it's easier to be separate about my points when I'm separate from you. I, I, I actually agree with you on that. I think it's easier to um, have our own space when we do this, even though we could be doing it in the same, in the same studio right now. But I'm I'm going to agree with that. I, I like that better, too. So, Michelle, Lalo looks pretty happy in jail. Yeah, Lalo uh, finds the best in whatever his circumstance is. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying he is happy there. He is not making the best of it. He is, like, in his some sort of man cave 
atmosphere. Like he's relishing himself there. Stop being mean to me, Mike. No, I'm just no. I, he he seems like he does that everywhere to me. He's in a garage and he's you know he turns on that um, kind of Lalo charm. I kind of see him doing that everywhere. I really like this character and it troubles me that I do because he is horrible, but the character is wonderful. And somebody was talking about some like little two to four season. Uh, series that he played in and they said if you guys like him you need to watch that I need to go back and find that because they said it's something that's real easy to binge and I would love to do that because I really like I I don't know I like the actor I think he's great yeah what's his name Tony <sighs> Tony something um, if you stop and think about the his content the stuff he says it's not that interesting What's interesting is the way he puts it across. You know, this, uh, so you want $100,000 to take a drive through the desert? And then he's like, done. You know, and it's his personality that he puts into that that makes it great, I think. Yeah, but he's got he's got a lot of rich content to deal with, to, to work with. Maybe. They, they have put him in the prime spot of being rich with things to talk about and smirk about and be handsome and smarmy and overbearing because he's like a cartel. He's like a cartel playboy. <laughs> what more background, what richer type of background could you have to be like a wise ass, you know, with nobody, nobody can do anything to you. <laughs> he can say or do anything he wants without any repercussions coming down on him. Well, no, true, but at least he has so to far. say their lines, right? And their lines are not that interesting. If you really go back and listen to them and listen to his lines, they're not that interesting. But if you put it in the context of how he's doing it and how he's playing it, I just think he does brilliantly with it. I mean, other people might might do well as well, but I just – that character has All right, really Michelle, got me. This is where I have to be mean to you. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> no, I, I would say the guy who buys his sandwiches from the vending machine in the courthouse, that guy has zero to deal with. He has zero material to work with. But Tony, whatever Lalo's real name, Tony, the actor, Lalo, the Salamanca, has a million directions he can go because he's a, such a powerful character. I mean, his show me is a simple, like, show me. <laughs> it's a stupid, simple little line, but it's it's. F- fraught and filled with like threat the picture if that were said differently it just wouldn't have the same impact if some guy said you know say he said show me oh show me i'm very interested yeah well of course yeah it's not the same thing at all just reading it without his inflection in it is completely different to me but Michelle, this um, episode was directed by Vince Gilligan. He is supposedly the master of westerns in Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. He does one every uh, every season, and this was his. And this was a pretty fabulously cinematic episode. Yeah, some of the comments that I read about it are that think it was overdone. The the scenes through the back of some guy standing there with his legs 
you know, spread wide and seeing stuff from that angle. They say it's just overdone. Uh, seeing stuff from inside the the chicken fryer, seeing stuff from inside the whale looking up, they're like, look, this is overdone. I thought it was great. I really liked it. But and and I do agree with you on that. But a lot of people are really like having their feel of it. And I was surprised at how many people on the comment section were saying stuff like Vince Gilligan should never direct anything. I think it was uh, Entertainment Weekly comment section, but I will find it and you can put it on the podcast or the on our. Well, let those podcast. idiots get their own podcast because that's I don't agree with that at all. I'm uh, just saying, a lot of people had a lot of comments. Like there was 150 something comments on it as of this afternoon, and this was just on one article. And the comments were wonderful just because, okay, it's not just comments. People ask questions. Uh, People don't, they don't notice everything. Like several different people said, why didn't they just take Mike's truck? He drove it up. They didn't notice the stuff leaking out of Mike's truck and that they couldn't do that. So the the comment section is really good for stuff like that, for people who might have missed something, people who don't watch stuff to podcast if they don't make sure or try to make yeah, sure they catch good. every detail. Comments are always the better part of most opinions. Right. Well, a lot of people have comments against Vince Gilligan and how he's overdone. Okay. Well, so, they can get their own podcast and they can rant away. Or they can join us on ours when we get no, our they can't. We're not letting idiots on the open. <laughs> I didn't call I gotta anybody. Mean, an idiot. I got to be mean to you, and now I got to be mean to fifty other people who have, who don't know good directing when they see it. Okay. Did you like the Did you like the way it looked and the story was laid out? And did you like the way it was directed? I love it. I actually love it. I love all the kind of. I understand that it's sort of over the top. All of the let's look up from the whale and up from the chicken fire. But I like it. I like seeing different perspectives like that. And I like how they do that in this whole series. I've always said the cinematography in this was some of the best. So, Michelle, there is a controversy, not really controversy, but there's a difference of opinion. Not really even a difference of opinion. Um, it's this It's this first car that we see where the two dopes are cleaning the blood off the white seats. Mm-hmm. First of all, that's very Pulp Fiction. There were so many movie references, so many other yeah. art, art and cultural references in this episode. Strong ones, like the the whole No Country stuff, and even right. Tahajali episodes of Breaking Bad. Very, very strong um, connections. But this cleaning the blood off the seats, Alan Sepinwall in his Rolling Stone article said, maybe this is the Cadillac that Jimmy gets when he's... Um, lawyer up when he's saw. Oh, that's horrible. Because it's a it's a Cadillac Eldorado. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the Insider podcast, they actually bring this point up that it is not the same car. Oh, really? The one the dudes are cleaning up, I think, is a convertible, and Jimmy's car is not a convertible. But Vince Gilligan even says it's not the same car. Okay. But uh, it's interesting that it's a Cadillac Eldorado in this. And this uh, fine warehouse they have of all these antique-looking co- cool cars and um, pretty f- fat stacks of cash that they have squirreled away. Yeah, and they also had, I don't know if you even noticed it or not, but they also had, like, women's uh, ball gowns 
and furs, I think, and stuff like that. Really kind of this, like, warehouse of opulence. And then, of course, the money in the I back. I thought this episode was a very simple story, Michelle. It's kind of like... Um... I love simple stories like this. And, and I like cartel-related type stories and mysteries mm-hmm. and stuff and dramas. And this was a simple, to me, a simple cartel story. So it was like double bonus good. It had the, it had the simple thing in the desert, guys trying to get heist your money and you have to get away from them and get back to safety. And I just like the, I like that simple premise with like the details that are involved around that premise. That's why I like No Country for Old Men so much. Guy's out hunting. He finds a crime scene. He finds a bunch of money. What? Boom. That's all you need to know. What do you do? Do you keep the money? Do you try to keep a little of it? Do you bury it? Do you just walk away and go merrily on with your life? What do you do in that type of a simple premise? Right. Well, I don't like cartel stories cartel stories are not my thing which is funny considering what i'm watching and podcasting but i mean the the nitty-gritty cartel stuff the the violent stuff is a little too much for me mostly so the fact that i did love this episode so much i loved it in spite of the shootout not because of it i understand people love that that's not my thing but even despite that, I loved the episode. I loved the rest of it. I loved the symbolism of the walk through the desert and what Jimmy was carrying and the symbolism of the uh, of the tinfoil <laughs> coat that they had, the tin, the tin blanket. I loved all of that. Well, so. you know, like the symbolism of Jimmy being killed off, Jimmy's cup being sh- literally shot. Jimmy Jimmy McGill is shot, and now all that's left is Saul, or his car. His car is now gone. Jimmy's car is gone. It's all pretty symbolic. And he actually peed in the Davis Main container. I thought in the beginning, I was I I kept trying to figure out what the the car was that they were cleaning out. I thought that was going to be part of the story. And who those people were. Do we ever find out who the guy was or what he was doing on the phone when the cousins left? Well, I think I know. Okay. There will come a time for me to tell you why I think that, Michelle. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, well you- I'll tell you. I mean, I'll tell you okay. now. It's might as well. Right. So h- how do the bandits know that there's a bunch of money being cartel are being carted through the desert right but who is this this has got to be the salamanca warehouse it has to be well that is interesting that he's in such a pronounced uh, maybe not pronounced but he's in a highly elevated position with the cartel with the salamanca cartel for him to betray them and go after this money but dude it's seven million dollars and if you have to split that even among seven guys, it's <laughs> a lot of money. So he's tipping these other guys off that there's a bunch of money being shuttled through the desert. If they do it right and they kill everybody, they don't necessarily have to pin it back on him. I guess. I mean, that just uh, it, you wouldn't think you would be in a position 
of authority in a place that handled that kind of money because we're not talking about seven million in there. The cousins took the seven million and left what a hundred times that behind with yeah, more coming so in every he's, hour. He's, his heist is of the seven million that's being in transit. It's there's no honor among among thieves. This guy's a th- he's a high ranking thief. <laughs> And criminal, so that that's why he's on the phone. He's telling his crew, "Get ready, it's on the way." I was just surprised, though, with the with it being a Salamanca establishment, a Salamanca have, joint. Yeah, that they would have people in there doing that. Well, Michelle, like I said, they are cartel criminals. Not that surprising to me. What did you think about the cousins? They had some great shots with them. They were very shiny. If they were with Mike and Saul, they would have stood out like two shiny sore thumbs. Well, they get the money and then they leave. And then we go into the intro, which, by the way, is part of this episode. Did you notice that? I I don't know what you mean. Well, the intro, you know, the intro music and the little clips of scenes that they show looked like Saul's tie laying in a desert, like discarded with the tarantula, with that spider crawling around. That's what the intro to Oh, no, I didn't catch that. Yeah, that this whole season is, you know, they show different stuff each season, but I think that's what that was. And then you're right. We go right into Lalo chuckling while he's reading the newspaper about the arson at Los Payos Hermanos. You know, it is just to hang back on that point about the guy making the phone call. It is surprising uh-huh. that that the cousins or the Salamancas don't have some kind of security, like kind of following Jimmy. You know, in his crappy ass car, that car could have just broke down on its own. But just to, just to help make sure he gets across the border. Follow him from a mile back or something. Right. Follow him, first of all, to make sure he's going to do what he needs to do with that kind of money. And second of all, to make sure nobody intercepts the money and just make sure he's safe, too, like you said. Yeah, that's a lot of money. And I understand why the cousins couldn't drive it to the courthouse, I suppose. But I don't understand why they couldn't escort jimmy or maybe it's a comment on how much money they actually have that they not that they not that they would laugh this off but that it's you know it's a hundred bucks to them it's seven million to us well that's kind of what i was saying though i mean if this guy was in charge of that warehouse you would think he'd have many opportunities to do a lot with a lot of money but maybe not yeah but this is a good one this is a really good opportunity to Make it look like this guy was just hit on, hit on by thieves in the desert. Yeah, you kill or, everybody. You kill everybody, and you you don't leave any evidence behind, and it's pretty hard to trace it. But how would they know? How would they know Jimmy didn't have somebody watching him every step of the way? Which he did, I guess. He didn't know. Maybe they followed him. I mean, he had a long ride through the desert. Maybe they followed him for a while. True. It's a single lane road through the desert, so. Well, Lalo just takes it upon himself to start giving Saul the directions 
and that the cousins are going to meet him. He's got to go 30 miles down a dirt road. And then Saul's trying to get him to use somebody else. You know, he's talking about the cousins. He's talking about Nacho. And this is where he said, Nacho's good for a lot of things, but $7 million will make, will change somebody. So that was interesting. So he trusts Jimmy. He trusts Saul more than he trusts Nacho. What do you think about that? Well, he knows Nacho. He knows, he, I think he knows that Nacho knows that they're on to his dad. They're threatening him and his dad. Nacho is a prime candidate to steal money and run. Yeah. Jimmy has more reasons not to. But Lalo starts saying that maybe Saul isn't the man for the job. And he completely gives him an out. This was Jimmy's out. And he did not take it. It's a, it's a takeaway. Close, Michelle. It's a, it's a tease. It's like, okay, I'll get somebody else. That just, that's ma- meant to make Jimmy double think it and say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You're going to give it to somebody else? It's a takeaway. Yeah, but he could have actually done that. He could have said, okay, and he could have been out. You know, after the conversations that he's had with Nacho and all that and how Nacho wants out and he tells Jimmy, Jimmy's in now, he can't do anything about it. And then Lalo completely gives him, or seemingly anyway, gives him. Lalo is using a psychological technique called a takeaway to get Jimmy more wrapped in. If Jimmy would have said, oh, God, that's good, thanks, because this really wasn't for me. Lala would not have been happy. No, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't think he would have been happy, but I mean, what does that mean? Does it necessarily mean something terrible? Well, I don't know what he would have done to him, but Lala wanted Jimmy to do this, and he was using psychology to, you know, make him think he didn't care so that Jimmy would say, well, wait a minute you're just going to get somebody else to do this and I'll do it for a lot of money and a lot of money to me is 100000 so he took a shot and said 100000 Lalo yeah, well, wanted him to do it and was like manipulating him to do it I think he was and I think him backing off of it was probably the smartest thing he could have done to manipulate Jimmy and I think it did work but I was a little bit fresh, I mean look, we know how it goes, we know how it goes, but I was a little bit frustrated that Jimmy didn't walk away from that at that point. Cause he had his stuff packed up and he was to the door and he turns around and says a hundred thousand dollars. That's what I'll do it for. I wouldn't have thought it wouldn't have been part of the path that they have Jimmy and Saul on though, for him to say, Oh, thank God I got off the hook on this. I'm going to no, go, no, I'm gonna go back to being a cell phone salesman. Absolutely not. But, you know, it doesn't mean that I'm not frustrated still. It doesn't mean that I'm not anxious still when Mike and Jimmy are in the desert. It doesn't mean that I don't still, you know, root for Kim and worry about what's going to happen to her because I don't know. Even though I know the outcomes of some of this stuff, I can still think that, you know, I wished that he had made different choices. You, We have like these these forks in the road with him and we're just watching him consistently take the wrong way, the dangerous way, the way we know he's going to take for most of them. But yeah, I don't think this was a fork in the road. I think this was Jimmy getting manipulated by Lalo fork in the road was him taking on Lalo as, as his client. 
You see, I didn't see that so at Jimmy all. See, Jimmy was already spending this choice. money, Michelle, when he was talking about the house in Montana. He was selling Kim on it. He's already he's already on this on this roller coaster downhill. He's not going to ch- diverge from it, divert from it. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously he's not, but I was hoping there that he would walk on out. I was thinking that would have been then in what? best interest. And do what? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, obviously it sucked back in from time to time, but this is a bad one. As we see, this is bad. So Kim comes in from work and Saul tells her that he's now a friend of the cartel, essentially. And he said some evidence fell into his lap and he was obligated to use it to get Lalo bail. And then he says, but there's a complication and he's got to drive and get it. And he tells her how much it is, and she freaks out. And we haven't seen Kim freak out, freak out before. I mean, we have, but not over, not because she's worried. Um, she first tells him she's going to go with him, and he did say something pretty funny. There's never been more than fifty bucks in an esteem in the history of esteems. That was kind of funny. But yeah, she stands- he's he's trying to reassure her, and she is the sensible one. He's clearly. I don't know if I, I, I'm about to say like he knows what he's getting into, but he probably doesn't. He's way out over his skis on this. He's like not really aware of everything he's getting into, but he's a, he's pretty aware of what he's getting into, but still he he tries to reassure her. He tries to make her feel more calm about it and almost dust it under the, under the rug, but it's not very effective with her because she's too smart for it. But, see, he's too smart, too. And that's just it. Lalo's not going to be able to manipulate him that easily. Jimmy's too smart for this. Jimmy's ever been as smart as Kim is. In a different way. Maybe smarter. And, anyway, she senses, I think, the um, danger in this. Her spotty senses are tingling. She doesn't like it at all. She asks him not to do it. And I don't think we've ever seen her do that. And he hugs her. He hugs her. I think she more than asks him not to do it. She tells him she doesn't want him to do it. She can't stop him, but she tells him directly, don't do it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she's she's telling him, I don't like it. I don't want you to do this. And she has tears in her eyes. And he just hugs her and kind of poo-poos her away and promises her he'll be fine. So, I didn't like that at all. I knew. That was not good. And it's not good if somebody that you love really, like, asks you not to do something. I mean, what would you have to do to do something? She can't. Some... She can't do anything. Yeah, I know. But I'm just saying, what what would you have to do to get your point across in a situation well, like you that? You can't. She would have to leave and let him be alone among his decision. You can't get him to change. Yeah, somebody made the comment that they thought when that car pulled out behind him that it was going to be Kim. I thought that well, was that's funny. Stupid. That was funny. So then we see Saul at the well, and at the well, and there's these doll eyeballs. It's a dirty little well, but it's a well. It's, you know, 
nasty. It's got garbage and stuff in it. It keeps checking his watch. And we get one You know that last... well was the well from the bottom up. That the that the that the things at the bottom of the well were the clouds in the sky. No, there was like a can and there was like some doll face in it or something like that. It was the, some... it was looking up from the bottom of the well through the water towards the sky. Was it? Yeah. Okay, but there was still stuff in it. There was stuff in it. It was junk. It was trash in it. But we get one last look at the esteem, like a full around of the esteem with its off-color doors in the back. And then he takes some of his nice, clean water and washes some dust off his shoes. And that just, on the second watch, that was just completely painful. Yeah, it didn't seem that big a deal at the time. Mm -mm. The cousins pull up, and per usual, no speaking. Saul is doing his nervous chit-chat thing. Um, You know, he's saying, Lalo, Eduardo, De Niro, Abogado. So they come, they hand-saw the money in these two big, huge, heavy, canvassy bags, and buenos dias, and he's out of there. And so Saul unzips the bags. He looks at all the money and then he heads on his way back and he's feeling like the danger's over. Right. I think that didn't you get that? He's singing and trying to get his cell phone to work. He's eating a granola bar. And then the, well, cars. yeah, he told Kim, I'll be home before you, you are. I mean, right. this is simple. I'm driving 32.7 miles, you know, and I'm done. <laughs> I'll be home at three 30 in the afternoon. But, you know, these types of plots never turn out as simple as you think. And this is him still thinking, wow, this was, boy, that Kim's so silly to worry about all this. Look how easy this is. He's, yeah, what's he eating, a Zagnut bar or something? Something. <laughs> and he's got one bottle of water that he pours, you know, a third of onto his shoes to clean dust off. So he's not worried at all. And he's thinking this is plan A is going along swimmingly. Yeah, but we see it doesn't. There's five or six guys, and they get out of the cars with all these huge weapons. They motion Saul to get out of the car, and he does with his hands up. He gives them his keys. They go after the money. Then the guy that's looking at the money motions for another guy to kill Saul. And just as he's about to do it, gunfire. And Saul falls to the ground, worm crawls to his car, watching all the fighting going on. Tires are getting shot out. And then there's seemingly one guy left, and he slowly pokes his head around, and he's immediately assassinated. So Saul, he's lying on his stomach. He sees a truck pulling up. He grabs for a gun, and then either finds it empty or distasteful or something and puts it back down. No, he finds it empty. Cause it's, Was it empty? I don't know if Jimmy McGill knows what an empty gun looks like. You're probably right, distasteful too, because it's, it's in the empty, it's in the fired position with no more. In a semi-automatic, the next round would have been loaded, but if you use up all the rounds, it stays in that fired position. So that gun was empty. Okay. He either threw it away because he knew it was empty, or he threw it away because he's like, ooh, a gun. Right. I don't like the feel of that in my hand. But Michelle, this whole scene was a was a hodgepodge of Tahajli, No Country. 
I mean, the vehicles, the three vehicles were the vehicles in the scene in the desert in no country. Maybe not a Jeep, but there was a Blazer, a Bronco, all the gunfight, all the, all the fuel and water and liquids dripping under cars was like Tahajali. Looking out from underneath the car was like yeah. Jesse doing it in Tahajali. Yeah, um, yeah. It's just, it's just, and I mean, what else is in there with all this photography by Vince Gilligan? It's, you know, what else desert can we throw in there? Treasure of the Sierra Madre with the one bandit remaining to come after them. <laughs> I don't know. It was, it was an homage that I really liked. I'm not complaining about it. I think it was pretty cool. Did you hear Vince Gilligan talking about this episode? Yeah, he was on the Insider podcast. Yeah. Well, I didn't watch that, but I did hear that he had said that this episode took twice as long to film as a normal episode. A normal episode takes nine days, and this one took, what, 17 or something? Hmm. And it was mainly, it took, I think they said they spent, it was either two or four, I can't remember. I just heard it in passing. Days on this one scene, this shootout scene. He really wanted to get it a certain way. He was talking about how hard it was to film because it did take so long and keeping everybody in the same, you know, keeping everybody looking the same and stuff like that. That's how I took it. Continuity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was interesting, too, in the contrast between Jimmy telling Howard, I'm going to have lightning bolts shoot from my fingers. And now he's cowering in the dirt with a bottle of pee around his neck and he's all, you know. He's all dressed up, but his clothes are just ruined from his experience with these people. He's not, he's no match at all for anybody. You know, he hasn't brought the right supplies. He's not just ready. He's not ready at all for any of this. So would you have taken something different going on a trip like that? You know, I don't know if I would have taken the esteem, although that was, like you said, part of his plan. Nobody expects anything in an esteem. I might have rented a, I don't know. Rent a car you know is going to make it? Because what if his car just broke down? What if there were no bandits at all? I guess Mike was following him. Yeah, but he didn't know that. Yeah. But what if his car breaks down? He's 22 miles from the, you know, where he needs to be. Yeah, nothing good. I know that but esteem then... runs like a finely tuned watch, but <laughs> you never know. Get well... a flat tire even. Well, surely he, didn't even he have had a spare tire. A, yes, yeah, I don't know. Well, then we see the real last guy, and he comes around. He shoots at Mike when my or well, a, the truck that's pulled up. We don't know it's Mike, and then jumps in a car and runs over his friend getting away. That was pretty brutal. And then we see Mike get out of the truck. He goes to Saul. He takes care of him, handles all the chaos around him as best he can, gets the money. He starts to take it back to his truck. He notices the truck's leaking. He goes back to Saul's car, and miraculously, it starts. Yeah, it missed all the uh, bullet gunfire, errant bullets, I guess, somehow. What do you mean? The Suzuki oh, makes got it all the... through the gunfire. Y yes, uh, uh, kind of, at least for a little ways. So Mike's driving and Jimmy is like noticing the bullet holes in his car door. And these are big bullet holes. This is not little indentations. We're talking about the kind that open up half your car door. So the car breaks down after just a little while. 
And um, so they have to... Okay, this is where Mike takes the tag off and takes the gap, the gas cap out and then push the car off of a little embankment. And I had forgotten, it took me a minute to remember about the gas cap and the fact that they put the uh, GPS in those. It's kind of like Mike's Mo. And so that would be how Mike knew, right, where Jimmy yeah. was. There was that whole episode that was a little tedious, but way back a couple of seasons ago where Mike takes apart his car for about 15 minutes. Yes. Takes every single part off his car. And finds it in the gas cap. So Saul stops him last minute right before it goes off the edge to get his coffee mug out. But notices that, like you said earlier, his second best attorney mug has been shot too. And his car. I mean, the, the esteem is the Winnebago mm-hmm. getting crushed. And it's goodbye steam. Yep. And then Jimmy asked Mike if he knew this was going to happen, but Mike said he would have brought more people if he had known. A lot of the people in the comments that I was reading were saying that there's no way Mike could have done that much damage to these guys. That there would have had to have been more people out there than Mike. But I think they've done a pretty good job of setting Mike up as being a great um, assassinator. Assassin. What do you think? Yeah, there were only yeah. what did he kill? Assassin. Four people, five people. He's you know he's set up with a sniper rifle. I don't see that as too too much of a stretch. No, and all the other bullets going. I think they were just. But you know they were saying anybody that that would go out with the weapons and stuff they had would know to just hide behind their vehicles until they could get a pinpoint. Essentially, that that they would be better soldiers than what they were with him that they were just kind of wild and got themselves killed maybe they weren't too wild though he he picked them off in smart ways like he shot the one guy through the blinker light at the front corner of the car mm-hmm. the guy thought he was undercover and mike probably saw a little bit of his gear or his hat or something and shot right through the corner that metal would not hold a bullet a rifle a high-powered sniper rifle like that I don't know. I kind of found it believable. It was it was a little odd that a 72-year-old <laughs> dude like Mike can take out five cartel, young, healthy cartel guys. But I don't know. I I found it entertaining and believable. I found it believable because I have that much faith in Mike. And I think Mike is just that much of a, you know, bad dude. So, But anyway, they have to walk through the desert now because... Um, the one guy that got away is on the road, and so Mike won't walk on the road, which, as we see, turns out to be pretty smart. So they're walking. They're in the heat. We have a lot of this. And Jimmy has his shirt on as a turban. They stop to rest under a tree, and Jimmy can't get Mike to carry the money. He says we should um, swap out. And... That money would have weighed like 150 pounds, I think is what they said, right? Assuming it was all $100 bills. That's a yeah, lot Michelle, of money. you got all this insider info. I thought you didn't read comments or look up I, stuff. I had to on this one. I know. I know. 
I don't normally, so, but I did on this one. 150, but just the comments, it was just the comments, but they were saying that that money would have weighed 150 pounds, and, um, yeah, yeah, because I also heard something about Vince Gilligan saying that Jimmy, or, you know, um, what's his actual name? <laughs> I'm drawing a blank. Odenkirk. Odenkirk, yeah. Um wanted it to be he- Gilligan wanted Jimmy to actually drink his own urine in this and he like drew the line at that but he also wanted the bags to be heavy and um so they made them heavy he said not as heavy as 150 pounds yeah they said be. they said that Odenkirk ran up and down a little bit on the hill by the shade tree before he sat down exhaustedly next to Mike that he actually literally Ran around with the bags before right oh, okay. before. I didn't see them. But then Jimmy, he he wants to bury them. Why do you think Mike wouldn't do that? Yeah, because he's right. He, did you see him scraping the ground with the license plate? He got about half an inch deep and then it hit hard pan. So it was just because of that. But that wasn't what Mike said. Mike said you'd never be able to find them. But that's not true. Well, Mike did say that that's hard pan. You'll never do it. He said, right. and then he said, "Well, we'll mark it next to the tree or something." And there's lots of trees that look like this tree. Yeah, but they had the um, the GPS. He had already put it in the bag with the money Mike had. Yeah, but I kind of think Mike is right that you don't leave this behind. I think that's easy for Mike to say if he's not the one carrying 150 pounds. But they were saying that as the as as they filmed that day, that that scene, the the scenes with him walking, that they had to make those bags lighter and lighter because it was really taxing. It was very interesting to me how much of No Country was in this the shade tree mm-hmm. where Llewellyn Moss finds the the guy with the money um and he says same in same out like the guy's gonna leave that's one thing mike does that's smart mike does not do same in same out he does he does same in different out (laughs) he takes a different way back he doesn't stay on the road right he doesn't head back the way he came he heads like a different way but that tree was like identical i almost wondered if it was the same damn tree um but it's identical looking to the one that llewellyn moss found the guy resting under the dead guy at that point, but that's where the money was in no country. Yeah. There was a lot of, uh, reference, I think to no country, probably more than to any other movie. I thought, okay. But while Saul is digging in that, you're right in that clay, then the, it, I, I said the Explorer. Was that a different car? I thought it was an Explorer. I think it was a Bronco that the lone bandit had, the okay. red Bronco. Well, he comes down the road, and Mike has him take off anything that can be reflective. So Jimmy had to take off. He had to put up the license plate. He had to take off his ring. So that's kind of like his... We've kind of disagreed, I think, on that before, but that's kind of like his evil villain superpower ring or whatever. And um, what a necklace! Yeah, so Michelle, or I got to do. A, I got a little do a little Tennessee translation here. Okay. As you people here in Tennessee all <laughs> say "put up," which you kind of mean "put away." Yes. Put up your money. 
Yeah. <laughs> put up your clothes. You're making yes. them put up your you know books. Yes. But if you say put up a license plate or put up your money in different parts of the world in the country, mm-hmm. like put up your money means put up, you put your money where your mouth is, P- bring out your money, put your money on the table and put up the license plate means like put that license plate up on the tree. But it really means what you're trying to say is put away, put away yes. your whatever. Yeah. Yes. So Mike's saying, get rid of the license plate, put it away, put away everything shiny. Right. That's funny. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. But, but yeah, they have to put away anything reflective. The other thing in Tennessee, just a total aside that I've found a million people saying is, I appreciate you. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Instead of, mm-hmm. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. No, they appreciate you, not it. Yeah, I, I, get, what the, I get what the words are, but... If you say that in another part of the country, it just seems to me that it means it's way more personal. I really appreciate you doing what you're doing for me. Instead of saying, I appreciate it, which is just like, thank you. Thank you in general. Well, we're just nice people here. What can I say? I know, and it's so hard to not be mean to you, Michelle. (laughs) Okay, so then Mike is making one of those, what do you call that, the water he's trying to collect water with moss and a tin cup and a raincoat or something yeah he's trying to get it to i don't know what the camping term is for it but yeah the water evaporates up hits the vinyl and drips back into the cup right right condenses on the whatever but um so they're gonna have to stop for the night and Mike says they're halfway there, and Saul can't even get a signal when he's up on the tallest, like, rock sculptures. So they've still got a ways to go. And then this is the bad part. This is the bad part. This is the part that put a pit in my stomach. Mike gives Jimmy a little glow stick, and they're talking. And... Jimmy says that Kim's going to think he was chopped up and dead in a ditch. And Mike says, no, she'll just think you're out catting around. And he's like, no, she won't. And Mike freaks out. And he says, what did you tell your girlfriend? And Jimmy goes, well, my wife. And Mike says, congratulations. And there was something just even about that. And then you didn't Mike, like Mike being misogynistic about it? No, no, not that's not it at all. I thought Mike was the smart one. Mike was the one who knew how much trouble this was going to be because of what Jimmy had told Kim. If Jimmy had not told her what he told her, which of course was like the whole marriage agreement. You anything you feel like you're not, you shouldn't tell me. That's what you have to tell me. And he promised he would, but he should have kept his mouth shut about anything to do with this to protect her. But there again, then I waffle too, right? Because she's his wife now. So I get, I don't get who you're mad at, Michelle. Are you upset that Jimmy told Kim? Are you upset that Mike didn't know because he's a smart? No, I'm upset that Jimmy told Kim, and I'm upset that I didn't think about the danger of that. I'm upset at me that I didn't think about the danger of Jimmy not coming home and what that would do to Kim and what Kim might do 
And that's yeah. what Mike wants. Well, there to is know. some misogyny here. Mike's misogynist. Lalo's misogynist about Kim being told by, you know, what kind of man tells his wife he's on a criminal criminal adventure? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't think that at all. I didn't. I didn't get any misogyny out of it. I just felt like you shouldn't tell anybody. I think if Jimmy had told his son, it would have been the same situation. Yeah, but he did tell her, and they did act smartassedly about you dragged a woman into this man's world of crime. Lalo totally does. I did, okay. I didn't. I didn't take it like that. I see. I see why you would, but that's not how I took it. I just took it as you brought somebody else into it and it's not their business. Well, Mike is smirk. Mike's facial expression is a smirk. Like well, he he's, can't. he doesn't know Kim like we and neither does Lalo until he meets her. But Mike doesn't know Kim like we know her, so he's kind of smirks like, "Oh, Jesus. What do you, you told your girlfriend? Not my girlfriend to my my wife." He's still smirking at it. He, Mike's not happy about this cuz he thinks an unnecessary party was dragged into this. Well, yeah, and because Mike does, I mean, that's his whole, that's Mike's end game, is to protect Stacy and Kylie. That's that's why he does what he does. And now he sees Saul do this. This is going to be, and I, I think. Well, I think that's what I'm saying, Michelle, is Mike views, he almost views women as like innocents who need to be protected and taken care of. And here's Jimmy telling his woman, either girlfriend or wife, about this caper he's involved in. And it's like, you don't bring them into this. You do the dangerous. Here's what I think Mike is thinking. You do the dangerous work and you keep it to yourself. You don't tell them about it. You don't tell yeah. a woman about it. I don't know, Mike. I, th I think the fact that you think it's all about women is, you know, because I, I don't. What about Lydia? I mean, they don't act like that with Lydia. I don't think it has anything to do with the fact that it's a woman per se. I mean, I could be wrong, but I just think it's the fact that you brought an innocent into it who's got no choice over the stuff you're doing, and now they're going to have to potentially pay a price, and I do think that's where we end up. Maybe, but I think to Mike it's an open end. Like, you had to tell your girlfriend about this. Like, it's, an, it's not like she's going to get in trouble and be on the line for some pain in the future it's an it's an unnecessary open end like why do why do you weak guys have to tell your girlfriends everything i, I don't know that's just how i saw it well maybe and also i think we have to remember that mike is a different generation and i think we as a society don't view that maybe as thoughtfully as we should because people who were raised in a different generation are, of course, going to respond differently to stuff. Everybody's I, not going to change everything. I see Jimmy being worried that Kim will, will worry. And Mike is just amazed that he told her about it because it's an open end to, the, to, their, to their mission. Well, I think Jimmy realized when Mike said that what he had done. Okay. Well, that's a that's another point, but that's true too. Because Mike's like, who's she gonna call? Is she gonna call the cops? Is she gonna call her mom? Yeah, that's that's misogyny. You know, Mike's not gonna call his mom if he's in. Tr he's like a woman. They're gonna gab about it to their mom or their girlfriend or to you know. He's, he's, well, yeah, when he said something like the book club or something, that was smart that is what he said though. 
Right. Right. That was, yes. But Saul says she's not going to call anyone. And Mike says, well, she knows, so she's in the game now. And this freaks Saul out. He says, no, she's not even game adjacent. Well, so anyway, he, he wishes, but right. she, in fact, is. She, in fact, is. And the fact that he told Mike wasn't good. That wasn't good. He shouldn't have even told Mike at this point. But Mike can't make a fire, and so he grabs out these reflective blankets. But Jimmy doesn't want it, and we know why. You know, that has to remind him of his brother, right? Of Chuck. Yeah. And of the whole thing that I took away from that was Jimmy wouldn't have anything to do with that reflective blanket. He'd rather freeze in the desert at night than put that reflective blanket on because it like represented mental illness to him. And then when he did finally put it on, it was because he was doing something completely crazy. So I thought that was a really cool kind of little homage to Chuck that they had. Yeah, kind of an anti-homage. Kind of, yeah. Fromage. What are they called? <laughs> What's an anti-homage? I don't know. Okay, then the worst scene. The worst scene in all the scenes. You said the other scene was the worst scene, Michelle. Yeah, I know, but then there was another worst one. This is it. This is the worst one. It's where Kim meets up with Lalo. What were you thinking, Kim? Yeah. Big, big mistake. You know... All this talk about Mike knowing now about Kim and Jimmy talking to Kim and Kim going to Lalo. We don't know how Mike and Jimmy get out of this yet. It looks like they've kind of gotten out of it. Kim may pull their ass out of this frying pan, out of the fire. Kim may save them still somehow. We don't Kim's, know what. Yeah, we don't, don't know how they get out of this yet. Why would you think she could do that? Well, I don't think that she does i don't think that she doesn't i just i'm saying we don't know how they get out of it and everybody's poo-pooing oh kim's going to lalo she's tipping her hand and it may very well be what exactly what they needed to survive what could she possibly do to help michelle but she well she could talk to she could she could pull some strings with lalo lalo to get help or you know i don't know yeah, but she doesn't. That's not what happened. We don't know she, yet. We don't know yet. I think we know. I think Lalo left the room. Well, we don't know how Jimmy and Mike get out of the desert. I think they just show up back in Albuquerque. Yeah, they've got like another, what, what, 12 miles, and they walk it down the road, which wouldn't be the same as trying to walk it out in the middle of that desert. But... Anyway, now Mike is right. She is involved. And Kim tells Lalo that she wouldn't have come if she didn't have to. And she misrepresented herself as part of his legal team. But she wants to know where he sent Saul. She'll find him. Lalo will get his money back. And it dawns on Lalo that she loves him. He says, you're his wife and you love him. And he didn't come home last night, so you got scared enough to come down here. And then he laughs. Yeah, one of the comments Lalo makes about Kim when he first sees her and finds out that she's connected to Jimmy is like, 
I caramba, a blonde. <laughs> I forget what it is. In, I shouldn't shouldn't speak like that. But he, he, in Spanish, he says something about a blonde. Like he's giving Jimmy a credit for scoring a hot blonde as a girlfriend. Oh, I didn't hear so that. So that's why I'm kind of calling him misogynist. Like, wow, this guy's, I'm giving this guy a little bit more props. He's got a hot girl like this on his side. Not impressed with her intelligence yet. Not impressed with her balls for walking up to him in prison. But he's just kind of like giving Jimmy credit for having a hot girlfriend. So that to me is very misogynistic. Like, it's a compliment, but it's kind of a. Well, it's a compliment to Saul. It's it's uh, it's um, you know, it's treating her like an object. Yeah, it's objectifying she's, he's objectifying her. her, right? Yeah. But, but again, like Mike doesn't know Kim, like we know her. Lalo also doesn't know yet. Doesn't know Kim like we know her. And she muscles up here. To him. That's why I think there's more to this on, than on the surface of like, oh, Kim tipped her hand and now she's in this. I think there's more to come. I her. think there's more to come. I think this is the beginning of the end of Kim and Jimmy. I think this is the price that Jimmy has to pay. I think this is it. Well, Lalo's impressed with Kim. No, he's not impressed with Kim. He's not impressed with her. He now has um, uh, Nacho's father, another Nacho's father in his hand. Okay, now he Michelle. can. I think he's impressed with her. She's smart and she's got courage. He, does, he doesn't know anything like that. He could think she's stupid and she's stupid for coming there. She doesn't say anything that's that's smart. And her going there is not smart. It's brave, I guess, but it's stupid. Okay. He doesn't know anything about her. The only thing he thinks, I think, about her is now he's got, um, you know, Saul in his grip, just like Nacho. And he does. He does. That's why he brings up the point that... He didn't come home last night. You love him. You were scared enough that you came down here. And he laughs. He does that Lalo chuckle. And then he dismisses her. He's not impressed with her. He goes to the door and bangs on the door. You know, he didn't want to sit in there and talk to the cute she girl. She gives him more to think about, though, than he thought he would have to deal with. And he's and now he's con because she com comes there. He's convinced that Jimmy didn't run off with his money because he wouldn't have run off without her. Right. So he's got more to think about because of this little meeting with Kim than he had before. This isn't just some girl that knew about it that, hey, is my boyfriend okay? And he's laughing at her. He's got more to consider now than he had before she showed up. Well, yeah, but, um, okay, he calls Jimmy, doesn't he call him like a cockroach in Spanish or something? Wasn't that the word he used? Cucarachum. I don't think that means cockroach. I thought he said cockroach. But anyway. Of course it I does, Michelle. I'm being smart-ass to you. Yeah, he calls him a survivor. He's a cockroach. He's always going to scurry out no matter what trouble befalls him. He's a survivor. But he tells Kim, he goes, give it a day. And, you know, he, he may come home. If he's okay, he'll come home. And she goes, and if he's not? And he goes, well, a day's not going to make any difference anyway. And then he just dismisses her. And she's left to sit there. And I think she knows. I think she knows she has screwed up. I think she would have been better off going to the police than going to him. I think that was the ultimate poor okay. decision. Got it. 
on Kim's part. Do you think it was a good decision? I think it's what she had to do. And I think it makes things more complicated. I think she's tipped her hand, certainly, to the cartel. Well, why did know. she have to do it? it because she's trying it. to figure out what happened to Jimmy. But she did. Jimmy didn't show up from his I'll be home before you plan. Right, but she and, didn't figure out anything. Well, she tried. She, she, she tried to make a deal with Lalo. You know, I, we're not going to steal your money. I want you to help me find out where he is. Help me find out where he is. I'll get you your money back. Right. She's but, she's doing what she thinks she has to do. And I don't think this is, oh, shit, I failed. Now they know about me. I think there's more to come where Kim's going to be. She has one more ace up her sleeve. Ultimately, we know something bad happens to Saul. He's separated from Kim somehow. And that probably means something bad for Kim. But we don't know what that is yet. But I don't think that's the next thing. I think there's something else that Kim probably has up her sleeve that maybe that triggers the final thing that happens to her. But I don't think she's totally just a doofus for going up to, to Lalo like this. Oh, I think it was. I do. I okay. do. I'm clearly, I've, we've hammered this to death. You, I understand that you think it was a mistake. I don't think so. I think she has one more card to play. Okay, and just just to beat it to death, what what's her card? I don't know. I mean, that's kind of the brilliance of this writing is there's always a twist that it's hard to see what it is. She's a smart attorney. Um, Lalo's trying to get bail. He's not quite got his bail yet. And Mike and Jimmy aren't back with the money to provide the bail yet. So maybe there's something she can tweak in there that makes something come out in their favor. Maybe it brings her even into being more of a criminal than she... I mean, she's kind of a criminal now, faking to be his lawyer. I mean, she's getting more and more deeply involved in this. Maybe she gets really deeply involved and screws over Lalo somehow. Maybe somebody else kills her. But I don't know. I'm... I'm not worried that I don't know, like, oh, it, it's going to be something stupid. I think it's going to be something really smart. And I don't think we know what it is yet, because that's, I guess that's the credit I'm giving to the writers. No, I don't think we know either. Okay, then we see Saul is getting sips of water from um, his little homemade, from Mike's homemade water gatherer thing. And, um, and, and he goes to pee, and Mike tells him, don't waste that. There's so little water, you might need that. And then we go through scenes and clips of them walking, time's passing, sun's moving in the sky. They show us how slow this is going. I mean, it's like every step is torturous. And they're down to rationing their water by the capful, little tiny caps, their chapped lips. Uh, Jimmy's begging for more water. And then he starts pulling the bags because he just can't hoist this weight up on his shoulders anymore. And one of them rips open, and it's just, he just has the worst time. Mike Yeah, stops. this was clearly a stupid idea to drag a canvas bag across. They show how rough the ground is. He gets stuck on a couple snags a couple times and just jerks it over. But what would you do if you just couldn't bear the weight on your shoulder joint anymore? I think it's probably easier to carry it than to drag it. Dragging it doesn't mean no weight. It's still hard to drag it. Ah, that's true. And it's not a smooth, level ground. It's a freaking <laughs> desert. Maybe if he had cross-bodied it. That's what I would kept wishing he'd do, like cross-body it. Maybe that would make it easier. 
But Mike stops him because he's losing money from the bag. And Jimmy notices that he's lost several bills. He goes around looking for him. He trips over a cactus. He gets this quill that's like like a hypodermic needle stuck into his foot. He says he's going to die anyway. Let's just get it over with. He falls to the ground. Says he can't go on. He just literally gives up. And then this is where Mike tells him the story. First of all, Mike fixes the license plate over the hole, which was kind of genius. And then he tells him that he can continue on because Jimmy's like, how how can you continue on? You know, basically, you're older than me, and how can you continue on? And Mike says, because he knows why he's out here, to help his people. And then he kind of smears it in his face. He goes, they don't know what I do, and they never, never will. They're protected, but they're going to have a better life because of what he's done yeah it's the gus motivating walter speech a man provides man provides for his family that's what keeps me going and it's i don't know it seems to work on jimmy yeah i think it definitely gives him a lot to think about um but he says that when he goes, he'll go knowing that he did everything he could for his family. And that's how he keeps going. And then that Bronco comes back. And this is where Jimmy has just, you know, you think he's lost it. I thought he was just being a smart aleck at first. He, um, Mike tells him to get down. He gets a scope out and he scopes out the car. And then Jimmy just gets up and has this other idea. He puts his reflective blanket on and um, hefts up his money bags and starts off down the center of the road. I mean, he's a patsy. He's a lure. He tells Mike to get that rifle ready. The car comes. They, they see him. You can see him, like, slow down and stop. They've seen him. They come toward him. And Mike gets the car on the second shot at the very last second. I didn't even know if the flipping car wasn't going to hit Jimmy. Yeah, Mike becomes Llewellyn Moss with the cleansing breath in between the first and second shots. He's uh, he's a good shot, and he takes care of this guy, but I thought it was kind of a wasted resource to shoot the guy and have the thing crash and not have the car to drive off in. Um, and there were a couple of things I didn't understand here, Michelle. First of all, what's the guy's plan? What's the bandit's plan? He's going to run Jimmy over and hit the money bags and the cash goes flying everywhere. He's going to, you know, what's his plan? Why, why not just pull up to the guy, stop and shoot him? Well, maybe. Maybe that's what he would have done. You know, he wasn't that close to him. Maybe he would have just pulled up he beside was. him. He was and driving shot him. up to him to run him over. Well, that's what it looked like, yeah. You just said that when Mike shot him, the tumbling car almost hit him. He wasn't pulling up to stop next to him. He was trying to run him down. But why? <laughs> you you hit somebody with two canvas bags full of money. You got to get all the money somehow back. The money just stays in the bag, or doesn't get blood all over it, or it does. It's way messier than you have to do it. It seemed like. Yeah. Anyhow, I thought Mike would have, I don't know. And that's and because they didn't do that and, and they still have to walk more, that would, makes me wonder why they filmed it that way. There might be something more to come before they get out of this desert. I guess. I just think that 
you know, there's not a lot of luck that that happens. You know, it's like if it weren't for bad luck, they'd have no luck at all. And that's just kind of what it feels like in this. And, I mean, even if they had just shot him, he could have still wrecked. Of course, he could have wrecked into Jimmy, even though they shot him, even even though Mike shot him. But, um, yeah, I don't know. There was... It's just not going to be easy. It's kind of like I alluded to last week. This transition into this dark place that that Jimmy is going, nothing about it's going to be easy. And that's why I think he was given the chance by Lalo to get out. I think they're going to show us like how hard this path is and that he took it anyway. Uh, Kim is asking him not to do it. I mean, literally asking him not to do it. And he did it anyway. Yeah, Kim definitely does not want Jimmy to do this. Lalo was not indifferent. Lalo wanted him to do it and was manipulating him. Right. So. Well, Mike goes to the car. He finds nothing to use. This is where Saul takes a big swig of his pee. And then they start on their way again. And that's the end of this episode. So we see the bags of money in court on the next on, so they do make it back somehow, but we don't see exactly how. We don't see how. On the next ons, though, we see a burnt and exhausted Jimmy and Mike sitting outside some shop. It looks kind of like maybe a auto repair shop or something. And um, they've got on different clothes. It looks kind of like souvenir clothes. Maybe it's a gas station or something like that, but they've got on like souvenir clothes. And then Jimmy is walking into a Bonds cashier office with these two bags of cash and piling it up on the counter to looks of surprise from the people behind the counter. And yeah, then you not- probably don't get too much $7 million <laughs> bills being paid with cash. With, but that's what it was. It was a cash bail, remember? That's what the judge said. I have to give you bail, essentially, and it's going to be $7 million cash. So I know, but cash means literally you could probably have a wire transfer or a or – a, I don't think you literally need U.S. currency paper money to be a cash bond. Yeah, I don't know. So then Nacho is on the phone saying, that's it. And then he says, something is done. And I couldn't make out the word he was saying. I listened and listened. I couldn't make it out. But he says, that's it. And he says, something is done. By the way, Michelle, if somebody does know if that's, in fact, not true, that you do need cash, like you do need $100 bills, if it's cash, it's cash, baby. You should tell us this, you know, make a comment or tweet to us or something. But we're also going to try to do this on Discord Hopefully next week. I know we're almost done with this season. But on Discord, people could listen to us while we're live doing it and make comments while we're trying to muddle our way through. Um, And maybe give us some inside info on stuff that we're not sure about or takes that they have, comments they want to make. And while we're on it, on the podcast, we could actually comment. Right. So we got a couple steps to hop through to make sure we got the Discord technology down and all that stuff. But hopefully next week we can try that and we'll tweet out what the Discord server is in the channel, the room you can go to to watch us or listen to us. 
Yeah, and it's super easy to sign up. All you need is an email to sign up, and you just sign up, and then you're able to go into this specific chat room. And as we're talking live before it goes out, before the podcast goes out, you'll be able to hear us doing this back and forth and we'll be able to see any comments that you have or anything. So I think that'll be really cool. So, um, I think that'd be great if people would sign up for an account and we could get some people on there because I would love some comments on some of the stuff that we're, that we're doing. Yeah. So discord, just look it up, just get a, get a discord account and name. It's really simple. Mm -hmm. It's an, it's an room. We'll tweet the link to the room. Um, I guess it's the channel. We have a server, and then in within our server, it's a channel, and that channel is the Better Call Saul channel, and then you can go in and hear this. And I don't know if we can do text and voice, but yeah, you could listen and type something, or, you know, we obviously won't have 50 people talking. Uh, excuse me, Michelle, that was technically not a cactus <laughs> needle. That was a, but yeah, it'll just be text that we can read and comment on. Right. Right. And, you know, it's something new, but we hope to get it figured out because I think it'd be fun if we could do that. But we'll have it up at least like, what would you say, Mike, a day ahead of time? So Probably by the it. middle of next season. No, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we try to do it. We try to do it by, um, what do you mean up? By a post, by putting the podcast up? No, um, telling people where it is and giving the link to it. Yeah, it has to at least be a day before. Okay. It, well, it, I'm. I said that poorly. It has to be within a day of. Right. You have a 24-hour pass to get into. Well, you the can room. change that. You can make yeah, that anything. Yeah, but people aren't going to want to wait till they get another invite. Right. We want to just tweet it out once, and people can come and join it. Yeah, and we typically podcast on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern time. So that will be the time that we're live, but we'll put all that in the tweet if you guys are interested in it. And I hope some of you are, and we're able to figure this out because this isn't our only podcast. We'll be doing another podcast. We were about to start Fargo, but that's been delayed because of the situation in the world. So, um, but that'll be upcoming and there's some other podcasts and stuff that we do. So if that there's works Darlin out. There's Darlin' Alley's and Michelle, there's Dice Family. I got the name Dice Family <laughs> oh, for our secret gosh. project on Liar's Dice. Uh, oh, my gosh. Okay. okay. No, I literally got the website named Dice Family. Did you really? Yeah. Okay. Dice is a really highly sought-after word. <sighs> yeah. We'll have to, like, I'll have to do makeup and stuff before we play Dice, Mike. All right, Michelle, did you have any more next-ons, or is that yes. the end of you do? Yes, I got a couple more. Okay, the DA is looking incredulously at Saul, um, and he looks the worst for wear. He's sitting there, and he's staring back at the DA very, um, very hard. And then the DA, Bill Oakley, the, the guy DA, that was the woman DA. And then the DA, Bill Oakley, is saying to Saul as they're walking out of court, hey, that was something in there. And Saul's like all, he's he's back in his suit and everything, but he's all burnt and chapped and everything. And then someone's saying as a voiceover, Saul is walking down a courtroom hallway. You'll probably have to change your name again. And what is that all about? Well, because now the cartel knows him. I don't know. 
And then we see the cool charger, the red car. That's the charger, right? It's not a charger. It's a javelin. Okay, the javelin. I always forget. It's a different it's driving manufacturer, down. even. Okay. It's driving down a desert road. And we hear on there that there's only two more episodes in this whole season, and then only one more season. So. All right, Michelle, 509 Bad Choice Road. I'll try to be nicer to you. Okay, Mike. It's really damn hard, though. I know. It has to be. Okay. All right. See you then. See you next week.